Well, uh, again, uh, if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Roy. I have the privilege of being able to deliver the message for you guys today. Uh, we are continuing on this amazing series called Greater Love. Uh, we've been looking at the book of John, been breaking it down, allowing really the words, the life of Jesus really lead us as a church. Amen. Uh, but more importantly, about the word love and what it means to love, uh, but more specifically, what it means to love like Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know what? I've been quarantined for a really long time. Uh, if you guys haven't noticed in the past, like several weeks, I haven't been here. I've been uh, watching just service online, just wishing to be here. Uh, you know, there's there's a distinct smell in this building and I've missed it so much. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, don't, don't, don't let it distract you today, but there is a smell. If you guys don't agree with me, you guys can just take a good whiff and you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, but maybe some things that I've done during quarantine, if you guys have ever seen the Netflix show alone, I've binged all that, uh, all those episodes. Uh, I've taken up crocheting. Uh, that was, that was a joke. I wasn't taking up crocheting. I was watching more Netflix. That's what I was doing. I was just trying my best to heal up so I can be with you guys, and thank goodness uh, God gave me that opportunity, so I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you guys this afternoon. Uh, but we're going to do a little something different. Uh, well, the title of my lesson, uh, just to give you guys an idea of what we're going to be talking about and, and what to tune, he, tune in here in John 16, is when peace is found. Uh, and the key word here is the word peace, and that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, but because I haven't been with you guys in a long time, and because the only piece of connection I've had was just my wife, and although she's amazing, right, I needed more connection. Uh, and so what we're going to do here in the spirit of connection is we're going to do a little something different. Uh, I'm going to put up uh, several questions, and for five minutes, there's a timer up there. What you're going to do is you're going to talk uh, with your row and try to answer some of these questions. Be truthful. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer. Just say whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind. Uh, but the questions are, what is your definition of peace? What activity goes or gives you your definition of peace? So maybe something that you love doing. Um, and what can disrupt our peace? Not out peace, our peace. My bad. That was a typo. But it's okay. You guys can forgive me. But what can disrupt our peace? So I'm going to leave these questions up here for the next five minutes. We're going to have a little fellowship time, but... Um, try your best to, to, to get your minds and your spirit going. Amen. So I'm going to go and put up that five minute timer and enjoy the discussion.
Was that? All right, you guys have about half a minute. Close out those thoughts. All right, amen. Amen, amen. Hope you guys have had a good discussion. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and close out uh, just our little pre-discussion time. Does anyone want to just shout out their definition of peace or be willing to share? What what is a what is a definition of peace that some of you guys have probably talked about? 
Crocheting. I knit this sweater. No, I didn't. Contentment. Okay, anyone else? Oh, man. Wow. 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 Love you, man. Thank you. Uh, I, I actually went on the live feed because I know there's some people watching. And on the comment section, uh, they wrote, uh, peace is freedom to me, right? So the idea of maybe feeling free. Uh, what about an activity? Is there an activity out here? Any activity? Yes. Hiking. Okay, specifically with worship music. Anyone else? Anyone have like an obscure one? Not to expose anyone out there. But anyone have like a, another activity? Fishing. Fishing. You said garden? Oh my gosh. Yes, gardening. Okay, doing something that we don't have to do. All right, all right. Reading. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, eating. Oh, I also love to eat. All right, all right, amen. All right, and then I know that we probably have talked about what disrupts our peace, and I know there's many different um, things that can probably disrupt our peace. But really the takeaway is, uh, and maybe even in your discussions, what you've noticed is that the meaning of peace tends to be different, right? That peace means something different uh, to each person, and people go to different avenues to strengthen this need for peace, uh, maybe different activities. And I know you guys have said some amazing activities that I'll probably take up myself. But honestly, there's also different things that can disrupt our peace. And as people, we desire to have this peace in our lives. And it can come in different ways, right? We desire a vacation, uh, a time away. Uh, maybe it's spending time with loved ones. Maybe it's spending time away from loved ones, right? Or maybe it's a good book, a good cup of coffee, uh, or maybe it's silence, Right. And and we desire uh, we desire peace in, in, in ways that I've said. And, and maybe it's a lot more complicated than that. Maybe it's a lot deeper than that. Maybe we desire peace in the ways that we want stability in our future. Maybe we want peace in getting rid of complications at our job. Maybe we want peace in our marriage, peace in our relationships. We want peace in our finances. But the road to peace can be different for all people. But I believe that that's the perception of the world. And there are differing viewpoints. There are different ideologies. There's different perspectives of what true peace is. But I believe in the Bible, it, it, it kind of makes it a little simpler than that. And in Psalm 4, verse 8, it says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And I love this passage because David is kind of getting here when it talks about what peace means to him, and that's to be in the presence of God. And God throughout the Bible envisions a life that we can experience this true peace with him. But the Bible is also a story of us trying to live our lives apart from him and what that looks like. And with that comes hardship. And the disciples that walked with Jesus, have gone through some tough times from the times that they were chosen by Jesus uh, to where we see them in John 16. And we're going to pick up there. And their lives were completely changed from the moment that they were called. Uh, and if we were to interview them today and ask them the same questions that we were discussing in the start of our service, I'm confident that they would all answer that their peace is in walking with Jesus. So at the time we were reading in John 16, they're probably, you know what, Roy, I'm living in the peace right now because 
the Messiah that was promised to us from thousands and thousands of years ago is living and walking amongst us. You know, Roy, I am good. I am, I am in peace. I am with Jesus and it is awesome. But when we read in John 16, Jesus flips the script and he tells them that I am leaving. And so imagine what they probably felt like. And I, I, this picture, I, that was the first photo I saw. And that's probably what they might have felt like or, or probably looked like when Jesus said, I am leaving. You know, no one likes the feeling of somebody leaving. Right. Imagine, you know, your favorite character from your favorite TV show. They probably like they probably have died off or uh, they probably have written them off. And you're like, where where is I don't know where Alicia loves Grey's Anatomy and her favorite character is McDreamy. Um, I don't know why. Don't ask her. But but when, you know, that favorite character of that show left, she was devastated. Imagine what the Patriots felt when Tom Brady left after championship after championship. <laughs> McCaw cried, man. He's crying. You know, you know, the feelings of it being sudden, quick, no explanation, comfortability just out the window. Nothing is the same. You know, I feel this when Alicia leaves uh, for the store. Uh, those 20 minutes is just anguish, pure, pure shock and confusion. Why would she do this to me? I'm just kidding. But the disciples must have felt, you know, pure shock, pure disbelief and confusion with Jesus. Why are you leaving Jesus? But Jesus knew this and prepared for this moment. And in John 16, he starts to give us a glimpse of where to find true peace. So let's all turn to John 16. Uh, and what well, we got to talk about really the problem. And, and Jesus kind of lays it out there. Uh, and prepares the disciples uh, and kind of lays out this problem. And he says here in John 16, verse 1 to 4, it says, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. And I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. And I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. And so Jesus here, up until this point, has been building the faith of his disciples. But we have to remember that following this chapter is when Jesus gets arrested. And these words are some of the last words that even Jesus imparts on them. And so we read here that Jesus begins to mention of the reality of what being a disciple means, right? So they catch a glimpse on what is to come. Talks about persecution, physical turmoil, spiritual division. Saul, this villain, was coming for them. And I appreciate this exchange with Jesus and the disciples, and I appreciate his integrity to prepare us for the truth, right? And the truth is that a life walking with him is transformative, is it not? A life walking with Jesus completely changes your life, but a life walk, walking with him is also challenging. And then the chapter before, and uh, Scott even talked about it, you know, when Jesus said to remain in him, probably was heard a little differently by the disciples after they heard um, that they were going to be persecuted. And many times I can forget that, but challenge is inevitable in our lives. You know, I oftentimes approach my relationship with God conditionally. You know, that my surrender in God becomes a lot stronger when my life isn't chaotic. You know, we respond differently to chaos. 
For me, I like to take it by the horns. I like to take control of the chaos. I like to kind of put it in a box and make sense of it and and control it. But maybe for others, it may be to escape. Maybe for others, it's to turn to other things. Maybe to others, it's to cope with it emotionally. Maybe to get more frustrated, to get more angry, to become more worried. Our spiritual lives can also be chaotic. God continues to test our patience and our character, and that can be a very stressful time. Is sin polluting our peace? Right? Our connection with God can also be challenged. But really the question is, do I allow the chaos to change me, to affect me, or do I continue to allow God to change me and to lead me? You know, Jesus begins this chapter laying out the truth, and he reveals the mission and that is to being a follower, a follower of Jesus comes with many types of persecution. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 3, 9, uh, Paul here uh, writes a letter to the Corinthians and, and kind of talks about this. And I'll read a little bit of it, but he says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness. I even highlighted the words that he uses, and I love that last line because he said, yet, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. It's so poetic. And I love Paul here, and it's crazy how God works, because the man who starts persecuting the disciples in John joins them in persecution as a disciple, if you notice that, right? And Paul here shows us that despite the hardships as a disciple, our response needs to be different. Our response needs to be of faith, to rejoice, to surrender to God's will and reasoning. However, Paul here recognizes the troubles, and we have to recognize that, too. I don't know if you were reading along with me and kind of got some like cold sweats or something. Got, got a little stressed out, right? But in John 16, the disciples have yet to understand, and I believe that they're in need of an explanation. So the disciples were going through a major crisis, a problem, and they needed an explanation. And, and, and a continuation of this passage, if you come along with me in verse 5, we're going to pick up there. And Jesus gives them an explanation. He says, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And, you know, Jesus further explains how difficult our lives will be when he leaves. But he explains here that there's a bigger picture. He says here that it is for your own good. And in verse 5, he calls them out a little bit. Because many times the disciples has asked Jesus about his death, but they never really wondered about its meaning. And he kind of challenged, they challenged that a little bit here. Uh, but it kind of shows that they were mostly concerned about themselves. Right? If Jesus left, then what would it mean for us? And we would probably respond the same, and we would ask so many questions. Jesus, why are you leaving us? What does that mean for us? But the bigger picture is that there is something more important that will come following his departure. 
that he needed to endure the cross and leave for the good of the disciples because something amazing is about to happen. And the part of the passage, uh, this part of the passage to me is so important because I oftentimes forget that Jesus really wasn't the end all be all. Right, That he was the beginning of this eternal process that God has been planning for centuries. And can I share with you uh, really what this passage has changed my thinking or how this passage changed my thinking? Can I share with you a little bit? You know, because what this means to me is that unless Jesus did what he came to do, there would be no gospel. If he did not die, then he couldn't have removed our sins. If he did not go to the Father, then the Spirit wouldn't have come because really his presence at this moment was only limited to the small space of the world that he was a part of. But because of the spirit, right, the spirit was meant for the whole world to experience. And I imagine Jesus kind of like a bridge, a connection, a way of passage. And he ushered in a whole new way of God's creation to connect with him and to stay connected. And that's the gospel. That's the good News And in Romans 1, 6, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to everyone who believes. Jesus died so that the peace that was felt by the disciples can now be felt by the whole world. Amen? Amen. So if you came in seeking for an explanation on what can change your life, We have people in this place, we have people in this church that understands what Jesus has done to them or for them and what his death meant. Amen. And so the disciples needed to refocus on the purpose of why Jesus was here and what was meant for to happen by Jesus leaving. And I think there would come a greater solution that was promised that can give peace to the world. And really, that is the solution, right? And John 16, verse 8 to 15, we're just going to be flying through this passage. Uh, and Jesus gives us the solution. And what is that? It says here, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin. Because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the Father. Where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and this is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so to summarize this passage is that line right there. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And Jesus, like in the chapters before, ends off talking about the spirit. If you catch that, right, he talks about this coming of the spirit. But the disciples understanding the hardship to come should now understand how much the Holy Spirit is so important in their lives. Because that their future that Jesus lays out for them of hardship persecution and death can now be endured by the present peace brought by the connection to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, talks about the Holy Spirit. This is my 
favorite definition of what that means. He says, having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So what does this mean? Right. Is that this is good news that as followers of Christ, those that believe in God, you belong to God. You belong to God. And how? Because each one of you were given the spirit that brings peace. Peace to overcome a troubled world. Peace in times of trouble. Peace that allows the continuation of spiritual growth. Right. This spirit is also meant to help us differ from the world, to help us be apart from the world. And in many translations, Jesus mentions that the spirit regarding sin and righteousness in John 16 helps us to convict, right, to convict. And the definition of to convict is to convince, right? And and this great quote by F.F. Bruce says that the spirit is an advocate or helper of those who believe in Jesus, their counsel for the defense. But in relation to unbelievers, to the godless world, he acts as counsel for the prosecution. Right. And so I love this quote because it shows that the spirit Jesus gives us is to give us confidence when we choose to live our lives for him. But when we come face to face with people who aren't connected, who don't know about God, who live a life of sin, who is a part of the right uh, apart from righteousness we have the means and understanding on the very thing that will change their lives. And so how are you using the spirit that Jesus has given you? Are you living out the intended purpose of your gift? The spirit that is deposited in you, are you living it out? Right? Jesus ties everything together through this passage in the end of John 16. And it says, do you now believe Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Awesome, right? All this was meant All the things that Jesus talked about to the disciples, the suffering, the waiting for the spirit, all this was meant to remind us where true peace comes from is in fact that Jesus has conquered the world. And through his life, he has led us to truly be confident in knowing that. And Jesus left the legacy that continues to shape our lives even today as we await for his coming. And I really believe that there's peace in knowing that there's peace in believing in that, right? And to conclude, I don't know if you guys kind of caught that, but in January 26 in 2020, uh, we kind of celebrated it last last uh, last week. But Kobe Bryant passed away in January 26, and I think about Jesus' legacy in the way that he left a legacy, right? That Kobe toiled and outworked everyone on and off the court, not because of his goal to become the greatest, but to give everything he possibly can to his passion. And that came a lot of sacrifices. You know, I looked at some facts, and really Kobe was a hustler, 
right? He, he, he was a great athlete that nothing really stopped his way. You know, I looked up some facts. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was a game where he played through many flus and food poisoning, right? And that during halftime, he would go to the locker room and get IV'd really quick and then step on for the second half uh, to, to hopefully win the games, right? He played through broken noses, broken fingers. There was a game, if there's a really viral video of him breaking his finger, going in the sidelines, popping it back in place, and then scoring like 25 more points. Crazy. He tore his Achilles, uh, and that literally can be a, a, a career ender. But he tore it, and then he limped to drain two free throws and then walked off on his own. Uh, and, and his last game of his career, he scored 60 points in true Kobe fashion, hit the game-winning basket. You know, Kobe has incredible work ethic. But more importantly, he knew the importance of seeing things through. And I love this quote that he, that he said uh, during his retirement ceremony when he uh, put up his jersey. But he said, those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway, that is actually the dream. And that probably doesn't make sense when you read it, but really what Kobe's talking about is there's a power in finishing. There's a power in finishing, and Jesus finished the work that he needed to complete in this world. Although our work isn't over, although we're going to continue to feel suffering on this earth, we should have a newfound confidence that as Jesus conquered the world, so can we. And Jesus laid out what the lives of the disciple will look like, and that's the hard truth. But if there's something that I want you guys to take away is that Jesus ushers in this brand new meaning of ultimate peace. That Jesus was the bridge to help a broken world be connected to an internal presence of God through us, through the spirit that is in us. And that peace leads to a greater love that is in God. To know Jesus is to know peace. Vice versa, if we want to know peace, if we want to have peace in our lives, we need to know Jesus. Amen? To know Jesus is to know peace. And we're going to have a quick post-discussion questions. We're going to ask around, I'm asking you guys maybe the same questions, but skewing it a little bit. Uh, but for about four minutes, so we're going to end the timer real quick. We're going to answer this, uh, these questions. Is how, can, how has Jesus shown you true peace? And I want you guys to maybe think about a moment, maybe a revelation that you've had in your walk, or maybe a scripture that comes to mind. In your disruption of peace, how can your connection to God help you conquer that? Because like Jesus who conquered the world, right, God can conquer anything, especially the things that disrupt the peace that he wants to give you. Amen. And so let's answer these questions. Let's have an amazing time to, uh, to fellowship a little bit more. And then Scott will come up and uh, uh, pray out the service. Amen. Uh, but before we have these discussions, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, and let's have a good uh, post discussion. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much for the peace that you've given us. God, the peace that is in Jesus, the legacy that is Jesus in our lives, Lord. God, it must have been a crazy moment if we were in that, in that, uh, that, that feel, God, just listening to your last sermon or the, the last sermon of Jesus as he's saying, I'm, I'm about to depart 
to the world and I'm about to join the Father. I know that those disciples must have felt anguish, grief, to know what is to come of the persecution, the beating, uh, and Jesus dying on the cross, Lord. But all that was uh, to usher in this peace, this spirit, God, that you wanted to give us, an advocate, a counselor that helps us be uh, the men and women, the sons and daughters for you. That we can endure the disruptions of peace here on this earth. God, but you promise so much more. God, you continue to rescue us uh, and give us this peace uh, that, that we don't deserve, but God, that you just lavish on us, Lord. So I pray uh, that we can just come into this next week, this next month, this next year of 2022, God, to have a life, a year of peace only found in being close to you. God, we love you. Pray for everything in my son's name. Amen. Enjoy this discussion. I'll put the timer up.